by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, through scripture alone, to the glory of God alone, this solar brother is not alone. I am your solar brother, Buddy Boone. Welcome back to another podcast. Today, I'm going to start off a little differently. I'm going to start off with a question. And the question uh, actually comes from the Westminster Larger Catechism. And uh, I would definitely highly encourage you all, if you do not have a copy of some type of catechism, and just be careful that they are not Catholic catechisms, I would definitely say pick up a copy of those. And the reason behind that is because it allows you to uh, ask questions, theological questions, and then gives you the answer so that you are able to answer these theological questions yourselves. And it also comes with a bunch of uh, scriptures to back that up. But I'm actually going to ask question number 30. Does, uh, it's, it's in Old English, so I'm going to try to translate it for you all. Uh, does God leave all mankind to perish in the estate of sin and misery? And the answer is, God does not leave all men to perish in the estate of sin and misery into which they fell by the breach of the first covenant, commonly called the covenant of works. But of his mere love and mercy delivereth his elect out of it and bring, brings them into an estate of salvation by the second covenant, commonly called the covenant of grace. And you've already seen the title of this uh, of this podcast. It's really about sola gratia, and sola gratia uh, is uh, a part of what uh, I believe in the five solas, and uh, gratia meaning grace in Latin. And we're going to go over a few things, um, and I'm going to go over the scriptures that are accompanied with this uh, larger catechism, and then some of the other ones I'm going to go over a little later. But here's what it is. Uh, the scripture that's attached to this is uh, one of his first Thessalonians five, and I'm going to do verses nine and 10 for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live in him. The second is Galatians chapter three, and they only require you to do verses 10 and 12, but I'm going to read 10 through 14 for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ... Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised faith through uh, receive the promised spirit through faith. Another one is Titus chapter three, verses four through seven. I'm going to go through that a little later, but I'm now going to read for you Romans chapter three, verses 21 through 22 and then 24 through 26. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. And then uh, verse 23 says, for the wages of sin. I'm sorry, that's not it. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I'm skipping ahead a little bit. Uh, verses 24 through 26. All are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. 
This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he has passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier to the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, I know I'm reading a lot of these scriptures and some of you have no idea what they mean, but that's okay. I'm going to give you a little bit of an understanding of them. I'm not going to delve deep because it's actually uh, will come up again as I go over uh, sola fide, which is uh, grace. I'm sorry, faith alone. Uh, so I'm going to go over a few things and then I'm going to leave it and then we're going to uh, pick up on it uh, when we go over some of the other solas. But the first thing I think we should do is define our terms and defining grace is very simple. The word grace means unmerited favor, undeserved. Uh, not only getting what you don't deserve, but getting more. So in other words, uh, and I'm going to go over this here a little later as well. When you uh, realize that you are under wrath, God's wrath, because of your sin, you realize you deserve death. And that's why Romans 3.23 says the wages of sin is death. Now, sorry, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's all, it's all in there. It's, it's, it's so rich, and it tells you, it, 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 it reiterates that we are sinners a lot of times, and we're deserving of God's wrath, and I'm, I'm going to go over some of those. But the thing about it is, we deserve death, but instead of giving us what we deserve, God says, no, I'm not going to give you that, but I'm going to give you more. That's what grace is. Now, I want to make a distinction to make sure we can look at words like gracious and understand which word we are talking about. We are not talking about in terms of the word graceful, which would denote a kind of smooth movement as in dance moves or a painting. This attribute is a whole lot. This attribute is a whole lot driven in the context of God's grace towards us. The noun, make, make sure we understand this is a noun, not an adjective. And why do we need God's grace? I'm glad you asked. The reason why we need God's grace is because of the wrath of God that we deserve for our sin. There is none righteous, no, not one. Now I'm going to go over a few scriptures that says that. Psalm 14, verses 1 through 3. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable things. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. And now the scripture I keep getting wrong. Here it is. The wages of sin is death, Romans 3.23a. A misconception is that we are saved from our sin when we are saved. That's not entirely true. Our lives are transformed by Christ through regeneration, and we begin a new life with Christ as we are made aware of our sin and battle it. And because it is the standard of Scripture, but we are saved from God's wrath. Uh, the Prince of Preachers, a.k.a. Uh, the notorious uh, CHS, Charles Hatton Spurgeon, in a sermon titled Love and Grace said, quote, the law increases the sinfulness of sin by removing all excuses of ignorance. Until men know the law, their crimes have at least a palatian or partial ignorance. But when the code of rules is spread before them, their offenses become greater once they are committed against light and knowledge, end quote. St. Augustine, uh, a, a theologian, I, I like to quote dead guys, so excuse me. Uh, St. Augustine, who de died a long time ago, said, quote, It is one thing to be ignorant, 
and another thing to be unwilling to know, end quote. I want you all to understand that it is definitely uh, we that we are will ultimately be saved from sin permanently at a later date. Uh, this is actually the, the process of glorification. But currently we are living in this world and we are dealing with sin. And even further than that, God's wrath rests on uh um, rest on us as a people, as as a as 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 a human race, because of the fact of literally sin. Romans one eighteen says, "For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men." <laughs> and this is the part that always gets me: who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. Uh, there's a scripture that says the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Uh, please excuse me. I learned a lot of scripture in the King James version. So and in the NIV version. So I might be getting them a little mixed up, but it clearly says that the heavens declare God shows us who he is uh, through uh, creation, which is so much easier to understand. Now, I, I could go on and on and I could point for some time about us deserving God's wrath. But I will end that section with a, a simple quote. He is perfect. This is my quote. So I don't have to say quote and unquote. He is perfect and holy and cannot be near sin. So in order for us to be with him, we need to be perfect and holy. So for all of us, heaven is completely unattainable. We can't do any works big enough or large enough or enough works to actually reach heaven. Uh, that is a huge misconception that a lot of us have been taught. We cannot gain heaven by what we do. Please understand that. This, I'm going to introduce to you a, a word that uh, is, is very important, and it's soteriology. So I'm going to define it for you. And this is from gotquestions.org, a great resource that I'm going to tag in the description of this podcast. What is soteriology? Answer, soteriology is the study of the doctrine of salvation. Soteriology discusses how Christ's death secures the salvation of those who believe. It helps us to understand the doctrines of redemption, justification, sanctification, propitiation, and the substitutionary atonement, end quote. Now, a lot of you are thinking, what are all those things? I'm glad you asked. I will go over them in a later date, but I'm going to stick to grace right now, and I'm going to make sure that you understand what specifically grace is and why we need it. Uh, it determines the path. Uh, soteriology determines the path that we take to salvation. There is only one path. Don't get me wrong, but there is confusion around what that path is. If you listen to people like Oprah and Joel Olstein, they will tell you there are multiple paths to heaven. In John 15, Christ says himself that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, John 15, uh, uh, roundabout uh, verse, that's a great question. I don't know what verse. I think it's John 15, 5. Jesus said, um, nope, it wasn't John 15, 5. It was John 15, John 55 at five is I'm the brand you the branches. Uh, and then we go down to where is it? I know it's John 15. 
Maybe it's John 14. It's one of those. Either way, uh, that is one of those scriptures I learned as a kid. You know, <laughs> that's what it is. It's actually John 14, verse 6. Jesus said to them, to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. I'm, a, I'm one of those old school kids that grew up in like a, a Christian school. So I learned a whole bunch of these scriptures either through uh, them repeating them to me over and over and over again. Or I learned a song that goes along with it. So there was a song that went along with John fourteen six, and uh, it was uh, it was it was very it was a very refreshing thing to remember these things and the song. So now I'm teaching it to my kids, which makes my life a lot easier because I've already memorized it through a song. Now the only thing is. Uh, uh, kind of translating it and making sure they understand that the, the, the correct version, that the one that we use in our house, which is uh, the ESV or the English Standard Version. Um, I call it, like to call it the extra special version because I think that it's extra special. Anyway, let's get back to this. So uh, we are at soteriology. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Uh, Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. When the goodness and the loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, him whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Galatians 2, 16 Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Once again, I'm going to make sure that you all understand that we cannot be, we are dead. And Ephesians, the next scripture, Ephesians 2, um, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 10 because it's so rich. And I want you to understand and hear this. And you were dead. See, the thing about it is people don't understand that we are dead in sin. So a lot of people like to say, well, salvation is or their soteriology says salvation is is us drowning in our sin and then God throwing us uh, uh, a, a ring, a life ring or whatever you call those things uh, or or jumping in to save us and pulling us out of it. No, we are a floating body in the water. That's what we are. We are dead. God pulls us out of the water. And revives us. As a matter of fact, you know, what happens is we sit on the dock a lot of times and dip our feet in sin. We can no longer escape sin. We can't escape sin. But we have Jesus there sitting with us in the dock. I know that's a horrible, horrible uh, uh, illustration. But that's what I hear a lot of times. And, you know, God threw me a, a life preserver. No, he didn't. God didn't throw you a life preserver because if he threw you a life preserver, it would hit you in the head and you would still be dead. God had to bring you back to life. Uh, Ephesians two chapters one through uh, chapter two, verses one through ten. And you were dead in the trespass and sins in which you once walked. You were dead following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience 
among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. There it is again, like the rest of mankind. But, verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Hear it again. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Please understand that we were created for good works through salvation. So that means, yes, we do good works, but we do it as a result of what God has done for us. So understand, since we are dead in our transgressions and sin, uh, which was uh, illustrated in, in verse one, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Please understand that it is God's grace alone that saves us. Only God's grace that saves us. If we could do it ourselves, we wouldn't need God. But we need God because God is the only one that can save us from ourselves. But the problem is that we are so prideful, we think that we're the ones that are able to do it through our good works or through some type of uh, giving or, or something like that. No, it is completely up to God. Martin Luther said in The Bondage of Will, he says, quote, God has surely promised his grace to the humbled, that is, to those who mourn over and despair of themselves. But a man cannot be thoroughly humbled till he realizes that his salvation is utterly beyond his own powers, counsels, efforts, will, and works, and depends absolutely on the will, counsel, pleasure, and work of another. God alone. Only God can do this. Only God's grace can save us. We can try all we want, but it's just not going to work. I really appreciate you all tuning in uh, to the Solar Brother podcast. Once again, I am your Solar Brother, and I want you all to understand that by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, through scripture alone, to the glory of God alone, this Solar Brother is not alone. And until next time, love, peace, and soul love.